It's Brooke Casanova here on the After Success Podcast. I talk to and interview conscious high achievers about lessons they learned behind closed doors that most don't know, about what happened after they hit their big success. We discuss frameworks for how to answer the looming questions like, what's next? And how do we navigate these massive transitions in our lives? What identity reinvention looks like? and how to build a legacy through your unique gifts in your second act. My goal, my friends, is to help you, one, feel like you're in good company and learn how to co-create a new tribe of deep connection in your life, two, step out of the disorientation you may be feeling, and three, flood you with frameworks for how to generate new vision and creativity in your everyday life again. This is the After Success Podcast. Product and partnership. Those would definitely be the three, and uh, I'll unpack all three of them. So, as I look back over the course of Kajabi, and you know, for those of you watching that, you know, you heard my bio and you're like, wow, this guy totally has it figured out. Let me make sure that you know that we're in 2023. So, 14 years ago, I was just finishing filing for bankruptcy from my mortgage business fallout. And then two years ago, I retired from operations in Kajabi. It's actually going to be two years, July 1st. So, I've seen both bookends of so far below the bottom that was hoping to just get back to zero and now the vantage point that I have today. So, want to make sure that you know that it wasn't always just a meteoric rise up into the right. But as we look back at the three areas that for me would play the largest role in the experience of Kajabi, two of which are from my bullseye formula, the book that I'm currently working on, because everyone needs to write a book about, you know, the experiences you've had. If you're not writing, you should be. And one of them is actually one that I've not included in the book because it's not really duplicatable. It's basically my partnership with Kenny Reader, um, you know, my best friend who was the CEO and co-founder the gentleman that I got to build Kajabi with. So let's start with purpose. Number one, purpose for Kajabi has always been a North Star metric of how many people are finding success on the platform. So we call them Kajabi heroes that essentially when anybody is building a business on Kajabi, when they begin having success in their business, we recognize them. This was really born out of a platform that was designed to be an entrepreneurial transformation engine, something that really offered superpowers through technology to any digital education entrepreneur. And for those of you that are wondering what Kajabi is, Kajabi Kajabi is basically, if a marketing platform and a learning management platform had a baby, it would be Kajabi. So if you're marketing any type of premium content that you want to market, sell, and deliver it, that's what Kajabi allows you to do all in one place. So the purpose of Kajabi has always been, how many successful customers do we have? And now in software as a service, you've got endless amounts of acronyms, measuring data points. I mean, you can drive yourself into metrics madness in the software as a service world. But we as a company only focused on one thing. And that was how many Kajabi heroes are we creating and how fast are we creating them? Because all that matters is if they're succeeding, we're going to succeed. We had almost this virality to it that the more success our customers had, the more people our customers could impact, the more people that were impacted would then ask, how could I also benefit from this technology and they always end up on the platform that they heard about us from. So purpose, number one, keeping our customers and their outcomes at the forefront, that was foundational for us. Well, and before you move on really sure. quick with that, Jaycron, I love that purpose so much because I think it was Zig Ziglar that said, you know, when you, when your goal is to make other people's success, 
then you're going to have your own success just based on the fact that you're getting other people what they want. You will get what you want if you help enough other people get what they want. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, talk about flourishing. It's because your number one objective was so focused on your customer success. I think that's huge and really rare for a lot of software development companies like this. Well, I think it's because so often software entrepreneurs get distracted with the software universe. Um, it's so easy to begin to get detached from your customer and their needs because you are unconsciously competent in all of the areas that you're trying to help your customer become varying levels of competent in. Sure. Um, it's probably the hardest part of development because you end up with engineers and product individuals that forget that there was a time where they didn't know any of this. And normally that's where your customer starts. So yeah. the second P that I pointed to in this was product. Kajabi has always been a product-led company with product-led growth. Mm. Where we did this very, very well is the product was designed to scratch the itch of our customers because originally Kenny, the co-founder of Kajabi, it was his pain point. So Kenny had come up with a sprinkler toy idea that he, uh, he called it the crazy spray. It was almost like this car wash for bicycles that your kids would ride through. And he thought about marketing it, but then it was like, I don't want to be in the business of, you know, creating sprinkler toys and boxing them up. So even as a software engineer, there was not an easy way to put up a paywall, have a downloadable and protected PDF, as well as a video course to teach you how to make it and send you to Home Depot, get all your materials, didn't exist. So Kenny was like, you know, there's probably a there there. And he actually built it, spent over a year coding it before Kajabi ever went public. So the product piece started with a very clear understanding of the problem it was meant to solve and the audience it was meant to solve it for. Mm -hmm. And that product piece really carried us through some exponential growth seasons. Because again, we had that virality inherent in the platform that the more people that consumed what the platform offered, the more people that got exposed that this could be something that they could do for their business, their knowledge, their proficiencies, whatever it happens to be. So product definitely was a second area for us. And and I would even say product is one that I think we did well, but we didn't do masterfully. So if we knew then what we know now, we probably would have looked at product through the lens of also where are those net dollar retention or expansion revenue opportunities so that as the platform grew, the revenue grew as well. So nailed our product and we nailed the uh, people that we were doing it for. We didn't necessarily think through all of the aspects of how to build that type of profitability into the company. I mean, we foolishly just picked some plan levels and they never changed. I mean, we, the first plan level that the new product had was called founders. And I mean, today, you know, that plan level is worth, I don't know, roughly 10 times the annual subscription rate because at Kajabi, once you lock in your subscription, we don't change it. So there's a lot of learning there as well, but I would say product would be the number two thing that, that I would say was the most impactful. Mm-hmm. And then the number three partnership element, this is the one that is not in my bullseye formula because quite frankly, I couldn't even tell you how to duplicate it. But I mean, I had the opportunity to build this business with my best friend, um, Kenny Reader, co-founder of Kajabi, CEO. He was very focused in the product and engineering side of the business. I was very focused in the marketing and customer experience side of the business. But really, we both kind of co-led and got to play in all of these areas together. Mm-hmm. And 
I've heard such horror stories about partnerships in entrepreneurship. You hear them all the time. And with Kenny and I, over the course of six years of being at Kajabi, I think we had one disagreement. It might have lasted maybe 45 minutes, you know, two, two laps of walking around the building for one of our walking meetings. And it was figured out. And it was actually really a stupid argument. It was about whether or not we use stock photography in our marketing because it's easier and faster, or if we wait and use genuine photos of Kajabi heroes because it's more authentic. And we had so many heroes to, to be able to highlight. The real question was, which do we use? It's the only disagreement we had in six years. So being able to show up every day with the type of a partner that you knew was in this to win this, wanted to run as fast as you wanted to run, literally aligned in all of the areas that needed to be aligned. It really was a force multiplier that I think looking back on it, I, I had no idea how impactful it was. But that was something that I would say was a, a huge part of our story was having that partnership alignment where we both knew we could completely depend on each other and just have a blast. So speaking of that partnership, was the success super, super conducive to like just a lot of unification and a lack of contention and competition because you guys knew what your zone of geniuses were and you just ran in those? Or what were the other contributing factors for the success in that partnership that it led to just that one fight? I would say the alignment was key. Um, we always agreed on the really important stuff and mm -hmm. we never wavered on that. And I think also having partners that are servant minded or really that the whole is always greater than the sum of its parts, yeah. because I think what really kills most partnerships is ego that, that the moment yeah. that it either needs to be all my thing or I'm the big deal, or I, you know, this is mine or this is mine. I think it's something where when you have people that are more committed to the vision and the outcome for whoever you serve your customers, yeah. That's the ultimate aligning factor, in, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think it's something, too, that what most people underestimate is when you have a partner, when you're dealing with stakeholders in a company, the more inherent alignment you have, the less complicated meetings you require, the less you need to have a third, fourth, fifth conversation yeah. about the same thing to try and get agreement. That takes up time, takes yeah. up energy, emotional baggage all of the above. So I think by being able to not be in a position that those things were hard, it, it just, it gives you an efficiency and a speed that's hard to match. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Napoleon Hill said, quote, in every instance where you find a man or a woman of outstanding achievement, that's you by the way, in any calling, you will find that they have been a success as a result of a mastermind alliance, unquote. Friends, we all want the mastermind alliance experience in safe spaces, especially after we've experienced success. After all, relationships are what got us here today. So for any of you who are in the thick of your after success story, your second act is trying to be figured out and navigated, and you desire help with new pivots, new identity, and a new level of contribution with a new tribe of relationships, I invite you to apply for The Last Mastermind. The Last Mastermind is hosted by myself, Brooke Casanova, and it's a three-day in-person experience where you experience a collective genius that helps you uncover your purpose, create your highest contribution, and experience deep connection. You can apply at thelastmastermind.com today.